Welcome to Fundamentally Drained Podcast with your hosts, Father Everett Lees, Father Tom Dahlman, and Justin Dixon. Three Christians exploring Christianity from a perspective other than the fundamental view from which we have become fundamentally drained. We'll begin the conversation, and you take it from there. Today we will talk about the Word of God, and we have a special guest with us, and uh, our guest is Gabriel Gordon. Welcome, Gabriel. Hi, everybody. Glad to be on the show. Gabriel is the youth minister at... uh, Christ Church in Tulsa, and uh, he is also an author of the book Late Night Meanderings with God, and um, we had been discussing of a topic to um, go around the room and, and share on the podcast, and we came up with uh, the, the topic of the Word of God and what that means, and um, in, in, in Gabe's book, one of the uh, chapters uh, is called uh, Christological versus biblical, and it kind of dabbles, or not dabbles, gets into uh, the discussion of what is the Word of God and how we understand it. And so, um, Gabe, let's start off with you first. What led you to write this chapter, which in the end is something about what the Word of God truly means? Yeah, so how the chapter came to be about how I came to write about the chapter is ultimately how I came to write about the entire book. I come from a fundamentalist background, um, specifically uh, Assembly of God and Southern Baptist, and I went to Oklahoma Baptist University. And while I was at OBU, a good Baptist university, I went through a a pretty large deconstruction of my faith. And I remember um, at a certain point, I think my junior year, I was reading scripture and I started to slowly, um, cause I, I grew up, I guess maybe for our listeners who didn't come from a fundamentalist background from our understanding, the Bible was the inerrant word of God. And so when we read second Timothy three sixteen, all scripture is inspired by God. Uh, what we interpreted that to be was that this is God's very word. Um, and so, but during college, though, I started to kind of deconstruct my theology, which was largely, if not entirely, based on the Bible as the Word of God. Hmm. So I started seeing things in Scripture, like when the Psalms talked about the Word of God, or when it was talked about in the New Testament, or whenever, and it didn't seem like it was actually talking about itself. Um, it would be pretty clumsy if it was talking about itself. <laughs> right. And I remember... Um, Specifically, my senior year, we were reading, I was in a Bible study group, and we were reading Acts uh, 17, I want to say, it was the first few verses, where it says, Paul came, he left Thessalonica because he just got kicked out, and he came to the Berarians, and he preached the word of God to them in Greek, Thessalagos, and they accepted it, and then they compared it to the scriptures, what they call graphe in Greek, uh, to see if what was spoken was true. And so... I was reading that, and I realized Luke, or whoever wrote Acts, is not uh, equating the Word of God with Scripture. And so it just kind of rabbit trailed from there, and um, I eventually came to the point where I believed that, uh, I had a new belief, that the Word of God 
um, was not the Bible, but it was Christ. And I began to see this more and more as time went on. It's pretty explicit in some parts of the Bible, such as John 1, 1. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Um, and so the reason why I wrote this specific essay uh, was because I believe that in some in fundamentalism, we have totally replaced God with the Bible. Mm. Um, okay. So I felt that the Word of God had had his throne stolen. Uh, Everett, do you find... Go ahead. Mic drop. <laughs> Have you, did you rehearse that? That was really good. <laughs> Everett, do you find um, people that come in to your church have this understanding of the Word of God being the Bible? Yeah, and I, I, I would say that in, in Oklahoma religious uh, circles, the dominant view is is that when you talk about the Word of God, you are talking about scriptures. And I I, I, I think there's a way in which you can say that the scriptures, you know, are the word of God, but not in the Small way. W. <laughs> right. And, and, and it was interesting because I was reading a book written by um, an Eastern Orthodox uh, author. And when he was talking about the scriptures as the word of God, he did. I mean, the W was, was lowercase, mm. but when he talking about Jesus, the word was uppercase. So does that, and that makes sense. I mean, don't, uh, so I, I'm curious, and this, this is, anyone can jump on this. Typically in writing, when we are referring to God or Jesus, even if it is by another name, isn't it typical to capitalize whatever word that is, the first letter? <laughs> is that a thing? I think so, right? I, I do it when I write. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm really curious. Did you do it, Tom, when you write? Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious if that's something that kind of can assist in differentiating what the person's talking about. Maybe we can start this as something new. <laughs> I think. Oh, oh, I was just going to say, I think it also depends on, like, because that can even get into the weeds and what we're talking about. I think what you mean by that and by Jesus is the word, but we can find the word in scripture, I think is similar to what Luther meant by that. Um, you know, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not going to, I'm looking at a book right now. I'm not going to quote it. I know Everett's getting <laughs> um, Go so ahead, in, Gabe. In, in, in Justo Gonzalez, um, he's a historical theologian, was the youngest to graduate from... Uh, Yale with a PhD in historical theology. He's written a lot. Um, he's a uh, Hispanic guy, so he re uh, writes uh, book his theology books from Hispanic perspective. And he has a two-volume uh, book series on the story of Christianity is the name of it. And in volume two, it's about the Reformation. And he talks about Luther's theology. And one of the points he makes is that Luther did not believe uh, the Bible itself was the Word of God. Um, now, I'll quote this little part. Given this biblical understanding of the Word of God, what makes the Bible the Word of God is not that it is infallible, nor that it can serve as a source for authority for theological and religious debate. The Bible is the Word of God because in it, the Word incarnate comes to us. Or, sorry, in it, Jesus, the Word incarnate, comes to us. 
any who read the Bible and somehow do not find Jesus in it have not encountered the Word of God. This is the reason why Luther, while insisting on the final authority of Scripture, could make some deprecating comments about parts of it. So, I think, I kind of imagine that's what you mean by it. Hmm. When you say lowercase w. Yeah. Is that true? Yep. yep. Analyze that correctly? Yep, it is. It is. Do you find, um, Tom, in your church, what... How, when people come in, do you find an opportunity? Um, because I, I assume, I guess I shouldn't assume, I assume everybody kind of agrees with what <laughs> what Gabe introduced in his opening monologue there, um, and in which I, I will admit I tend to get into a conversation where I'm more talking and not maybe not thinking about what I'm saying as much. I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but... And I will just throw out their word of God, sometimes maybe in referring to Scripture, because it's what I've done for 30 years of my life, maybe, something like that. That was always the Bible. Um, but, Tom, when you find, um, do you have any kind of way, a curriculum or way of correcting this idea that the word of God is Jesus as opposed to the Bible in your church, or do you run into that? Well, I disagree with Gabriel on this. I I would not, and we've talked about it, but I would not say the Bible, it's, I would agree with him in that the general understanding of the Bible as the word of God is completely wrong, but I don't think it's wrong to say um, the word of God from scripture. Um, so, but I think the way you correct the understanding is just over time. Yeah. You have to use it differently, hear it differently over a long period of time in community. And for a lot of people, um, they'll never be able to hear it. If they were beaten up with it or had it used as a weapon most of their lives, um, the best we could ever hope for, you know, getting to a point where you could see Jesus with fresh eyes might be the best we could ever hope for. But, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go so far as Gabriel in this, but okay. Convenient. But I just think it's a time thing. <laughs> I don't, and I don't remember who said it. There was um, some Anglican author who was reflecting on the fact that after we read Scripture, we say the word of the Lord. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right, and 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 the author reflects on that and and, and says we don't say. The words of the Lord, we say the word, it's singular. Hmm. And the, the idea is, is that scripture is one of the ways in which God speaks to us. Um, and that's why we have elevated these words um, to say that these contain something um, that is worthy for reflection and building doctrine and, you know, devotional reading, teaching, all those things. So... I want to say something about the, you know, after the readings we say, and this is the word of the Lord. I, the way I understand that, because um, Tom did point out our disagreement, I completely do not, and you can read this in the book, but I completely do not say scripture is the word of God in any sort of sense. What I do say, and I ha I'm fine with saying, after we read the scripture, I'm fine with saying this is the word of the Lord, and here's the reason why. Because I think even if Christ is the word alone, Christ, as the incarnational God, incarnates 
into all of creation. And so that's through scripture, through tradition, through the saints, through um, our the, the Eucharist, um, through baptism. And so I'm fine with saying Christ meets us, or the word meets us in scripture. Um, I'm fine with saying uh, Christ as the word meets us in tradition, as long as we don't identify those two things together, if that makes sense. So the way C.S. Lewis talked about it um, is he said that uh, scripture serves as the vehicle for the word of God. So it's not identified with the word, but it serves as the vehicle for the word. It carries Christ to us. Hmm. It's a good way of saying it. So I, go ahead. Go ahead. Nope, I go sent ahead. you an article to post in the show notes um, by N.T. Wright. And he talks about how I think that evangelicals have str- struggle with this because the authority of Generally, because authority is completely is a bad word in our culture right now, hmm. and and we reject the church has no authority if you can just take your Bible and go start a new church somewhere. You know what I mean? Hmm. It, the the authority rests in the individual in our country, in our culture, and in m- among most Christians in the United States, and their ability to interpret it themselves and decide for themselves. So that means in most of the evangelical world, authority still rests with the individual, not with Scripture, despite what they say. But we, I think the big problem is we don't understand authority. Um, If you're in the evangelical world, your church, you don't have the church in the sense that um, maybe churches with historic connections to the you know we've had bishops we've we've submitted to the idea that the church has some kind of power to interpret scripture and um and i think it really comes down to we don't really know how to read books we Hmm. we read them for details we read them like they're science books i don't think the details in scripture are and this is a poor way of saying it but this is a short podcast the details aren't inspired but the the story it presents to us is authoritative and the article i sent by nt wright does a much better job than i can say but story has story has authority and so without scripture we don't know this story we could get parts of it but we got to place ourselves in the story to know where we're at in the in the play you know as it were we're in the even if we're ad-libbing the fifth act of the play we know we know the story we know where you know what i'm saying yeah and we don't get story we we get movies we get but we don't we don't we didn't sit around the campfire our whole lives listening to our elders tell us these stories that give us our sense of being and sense of you know, place in the world and scripture, I think, functions as a story that gives us those things. But we want to break down the minutia of it and dissect it. And and we've taken, you know what I'm saying? There's so the like opening, I've, the opening um, Genesis one. Right. Um, and right. we were talking about this in our confirmation class on Sunday. You know, it's a it's a it's a poem. It's and, and it's not, you know, the uh, instructions, you know, eyewitness 
of what took place on the day of creation, if you will. And that's something that we don't know how to do that because we're used to, um, you know, the the author of a book finding, you know, 60 ways to describe a styrofoam cup or, you know, instruction manuals for how to put the baby crib together. And it's just this is how we read. So we have to remove ourselves from that. Um, and so at the same time, it makes sense that when someone sees the word, we are going to immediately for that English W O R D going to think the words written inside of the leather cover of the Bible. And so that's why we assume, um, which is, which you touched on something else is we have so many denominations and, uh, Gabe made a a great point of (laughs) calling, different uh well i'll say colleges i think is one of them bible college (laughs) or Mm -hmm. you know the uh this mountain bible church and things like that which elevates in that name i get what they're trying to do but it could easily be a misunderstanding of they're putting the bible in front of jesus in that in that regard but it's just not something i don't i don't even know if they've thought about it is that what you were alluding to gabe yeah, I, I, I don't think a lot of them have thought about it. Um, most people, and I can say this to be demeaning, but just most people don't think about their theology. It's just handed to them, and they just kind of Good point. Um, assume it. Yeah, totally me. <laughs> Back in the day, at least. Um, but one of the things I think that the problems with the idea of kind of a Bible college or a Bible church, uh, and Peter Hens points this out, or points part of this out, that... It wasn't until the fundamentalist movement in the late uh, 19th, early 20th century when you started seeing the rise of Bible colleges and Bible churches. Mm. That whole concept of Bible church, Bible college came out of the fundamentalist movement. Um, And I think the problem with it is that um, the Bible is not subjugated to Christ, which is how the Bible was read in the early church by the patristic fathers. But Christ is subjugated, or God also is subjugated to the Bible. And so for a standard fundamentalist, if you read, you get your view of um, the, you get your view of God from the overall narrative of Scripture. So if uh, the Old Testament says that God commanded the Israelites to go wipe out the Canaanites, um, well, then you have to say, well, then God at some level is angry. Um, and if you read the New Testament as a fundamentalist, then it seems like God's loving. So you have to say, okay, well, God's loving too. He's wrathful and he's loving. He's angry and he's kind. Um, and so what, what the, the assumption behind there is that the Bible determines who God is, which I think is the underlying idolatry. But in reality, it's Christ who determines who God is. And in the early church, you see this, that Christ is the... Uh, hermeneutical key through which you see the scriptures. So Christ uh, shapes the scriptures. Christ determines um, what the scriptures look like, if that makes sense. So since we are on a short podcast here, I'm just going to let everyone go and Google some of the words he used. (laughs) So you can look those up on your own. Um, So, okay, so here's a question within what you just said. And this is, I think, was a movement. We've talked about this before, um, and um, it, 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 I think I can describe it by saying Jesus is greater than religion. 
hopefully that just made a ding in everybody's head of what I'm talking about. And, and uh, there's a, a movement a long time ago, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's still going, something like that. So in talking about that, in Jesus being, I don't like the word authority here, but let's just say greater than the Bible, can we ignore the Bible and just listen to the Spirit? Is that a thing? <laughs> I, I think I think part of the problem that we get into is is that we are sort of either or thinkers, mm-hmm. and that's not duality. It, it sometimes it's about that. I mean, it's sort of like the the term "word of God," right? So, "word of God," we can talk about scripture as the word of God, lowercase w. <laughs> we can all talk about the word of God, uppercase w. And so it's a it's a both and not an either or, and we get into this either or thinking so much as a culture. Uh, part of it is our scientific knowledge. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this. Uh, Gabe just mentioned uh, Peter Enns, and and Peter has written some really just fantastic books on how uh, alternative ways of reading scripture and things. But he had a blog post a few weeks ago in which. Um, he was trying to explain the presence of evil, and so Peter is part um, of a theological school called Process Theology. Um, Peter is? Yeah. I didn't know that. And, and so, so Peter is sitting there saying, you know, basically that God didn't, that, that creation didn't come out of nothing, that there was something already present here, and God takes order. See, here is this obscure verse in um, one one of the letters that Peter wrote that proves that uh, creation ex nihilo or creation out of nothing isn't true. And I'm sitting there going, like, Pete, hold on, you have you have made your writing career uh, arguing against sort of let's pull this scripture out, and, <laughs> and that's exactly what you were doing. And, and so it, it is so ingrained into a, our culture that even those who try to argue against that mm-hmm. oftentimes are still drawn to those sort of arguments. I'm like, you're just undermining everything else that you say because you want to prove this one, um, you know, theological point that's counter to the broad historical tradition of the church teaching. Yeah, I think it's kind of ironic that Peter Enns is a process theologian and yet he's you know quote-unquote a non-biblical theologian and what i mean by that he doesn't base most of his theology solely off the bible but genesis is um i i think you know from a historical point of view the genesis text does teach um creation out of nothing or sorry not creation out of nothing the opposite of that uh, but I don't think we need to believe that just because it's in the Bible. I think we can believe in creation out of nothing, even if it's not in Genesis. Hmm. So can we? Can someone function as a Christian without the Bible? Yes. Should they? If they have it, no. Okay. I mean, it's like, so one of the, I wrote a blog post series with uh, one of my seminary mates about um, can we trust the Bible? And one of the questions we ended up coming down to was, is the Bible necessary? Mm. Um, and I've talked about this before. I talked a little bit about it in the episode or in the essay. But <clears throat> the, she came down to this, that if I was on an island 
and I had to choose between having either the Bible or Jesus on the island. Um, <laughs> choose Jesus. If those were your only options. Um, and I think, I think in that sense, yes, you know, it's, it's Jesus. Jesus is, because Jesus is resurrected, he is made present to us now here 2,000 years later through the Holy Spirit. We're not relegated to reading the writings about a dead man because he's not dead. He's, he's, he's risen. Um, but at the same time, the scriptures are the church's text. And because they're the church's text, um, Christ has used them, as, to use C.S. Lewis's language, as a vehicle um, to speak to us um, continually over and over again. So I think it would be, um, you have a text that's been yours for 2,000 years. I, I don't want to get rid of that. You know, I don't want to throw that away. All right. Yeah, for sure. There is some reason it has survived, for sure. Um, okay, Tom, I'm going to jump over to you for a minute, and I want to introduce this because I, I think this just kind of is tethered to this. So we have the Word of God. In, yes. this, in this context, then, what is the living Word? So, uh, can you hear me? I can. Okay. So, um, I would say that for the word to be living, it has to be heard in community. It was never written to be this, um, static thing. And I'm going to regret probably part of this. And this <laughs> Don't we regret all yes. of this? <laughs> like, so the Jewish people, no one handed them this, you know, list of the laws or the, the Torah and said, uh, now go and home and read and read Mark and in, inwardly digest. <laughs> Come back and they let's had, talk about it next week. <laughs> yes. I mean, they always had the rabbis. They had their community. They had the debate. Uh, for example, this Sunday in our lectionary, we're talking about divorce. And in the law of Moses, adultery is punishable by, punishable by stoning. But by the time of Mary and Joseph, the rabbis over time had changed the punishment. They had softened it. Hmm. And it was just public shaming. So Joseph wouldn't have been exposing Mary to stoning, although I guess that could have happened in, in theory. But it was. But so the community had... Over time, the, the word had, through interpretation and through time, the meaning or the application had changed. And so I think that if I'm by myself reading the scriptures, there's nothing wrong with that. It's great. But the living word is what happens when I'm, it becomes living when I'm hearing it. Like, for example, the gospel read on Sunday morning, and then the preacher gets, the priest gets up or deacon whoever and and delivers the word and they're not just delivering their own word but it's it's how we hear it how the spirit works it's it's a it's almost, it's a sacrament you know it's part right. of the preparation for it's not a sacrament but it's part of this part of the sacrament of the eucharist is hearing that word um does that make sense? And so you are you are basing that all, I think, all of what you said around Scripture. So yeah, um, okay. but it's how it works as we hear it in our in our lives and community, in the past through the future. 
you know, we right. what Augustine said about it's in there somewhere. What Gabriel said about it is in in there somewhere. Gabe, what um, do you say about it, buddy? About <laughs> uh, 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 what specifically? Uh, so the living word is that to have uh, you know that we're 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 toying with the word word, and so yeah. is that reference right. to scripture, Christ? Yeah. So. I used to think this, uh, so this is referencing Hebrews 4.12, right? Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged uh, sword. Um, so I used to think this was the Bible as a fundamentalist. Most fundamentalists will read this. Um, and I, I'm saying fundamentalist because I'm distinguishing between evangelicals and fundamentalists because all fundamentalists are evangelicals, but not all evangelicals are fundamentalists. And so I want to... <laughs> I don't self-identify even as an evangelical, but I go to an evangelical seminary. Um, many of my friends are evangelical, and I want to make that distinction. But so fundamentalists uh, typically read that as about um, the Bible. But uh, and I used to even after I believed the Bible wasn't the Word of God anymore, I would say that was referring to the gospel message. Mm. But as I was reflecting on Athanasius. Um, he has a book called On the Incarnation, and on page 82 of the book, he talks about uh, this verse. And I quote it in the essay, but he, he, he's referring to the verse, and he says basically that it, the word being referred is the Son of God. It's Christ. So he, Athanasius would say Hebrews 4.12 is about uh, Christ. Um, and so I had some further reflection after I published a book or right before I published it. And, um, I realized if you go down to verse 13, it says, and before him, no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. That word account is logos. So if you kind of go through that verse step by step, and we don't ever read verse 13, we just read verse 12. So <laughs> that's being referred the creature before him who's him the word is a him well hmm. jesus was a him so it's probably referring to christ so i think if we read verse 13 even even without maybe doing any historical exegesis which just means interpretation um even if we don't just do any historical interpretation i think from just looking at verse 13 we can see that it's referring to christ um did they answer my question? question? <laughs> yes, you know the the it's it's interesting and and as I read the Bible or or read about Scripture, um, it, it it's interesting and Everett, you you've I don't want to put you in the wrong light here, <laughs> but you said this you've said this before of like maybe everyone shouldn't have their own Bible <laughs> because and. And it's true. I mean, we can sit down and do, I mean, look how many denominations we have. We sit down and we interpret things and we're not Greek language scholars or we're not Hebrew language scholars. And so we just take, you know, the Bible says what it says. It's right there. Um, which even in myself, when I look at reading it and, and how, what I, how I reflect on certain things, I'm like, man, I haven't, I don't know the context here. I don't know, you know, the language and so on. So, but, uh, I think it's been a fun discussion, Gabe. Thank you for joining us. Um, yeah. and Gabe, tell us where we can find your book, Late Night Meanderings with God. Yeah. So Late Night Meanderings with God, my author title, um, I was inspired by C.S. Lewis, N.T. Wright, basically any of the big names. They always take their first and last 
uh, initials. So it's you'll if you look up Gabriel Gordon, you won't necessarily find me. So G N Gordon, uh, those are my initials. Um, and if you go to Amazon, you should find the book under Late Night Mandarins with God, a collection of essays. And and Father Tom actually wrote the foreword. So. <sighs> Cool, man. Thank you. Uh, that's awesome. It, yep. I also blog at uh, misfittheology.com. So if you are interested, and that's an ecumenical blog. So if you want to read fundamentalist stuff, you can certainly come on the website and read fundamentalist stuff. But if you're interested more in my stuff, um, you can find me there as well. And I, I did want to mention this. I don't know if you could put this in the show notes, but um, I brought a bunch of books. I wasn't planning on reading all the quotes from them, but. Uh, that kind of get oftentimes fundamentalism is presented as the as orthodoxy mm. and i think that viewing the bible as not the word of god is often presented as heresy but i think if you look into church history and you look into people like carl bart or c.s lewis or the eastern orthodox church um or even luther like i mentioned before um they did not see uh jesus or the bible as the word of god so um, maybe we can put a couple of those quotes in uh, the show notes or something just for people to chew on. If you want to send me a list of books, I'll put them in there. And I've got, I'll put the Amazon link. Uh, Tom sent me a link. So anything you want to include in show notes, just send them over. Everybody can check it out and also check out the Misfits Theology uh, blog. I know that Everett uh, blogs on there as well. Thanks so, for being on, Gabriel. Yep. Oh, thank you for having Thanks me. For dumping all of that. <laughs> <laughs> theology on us. You brought it, buddy. Well done. <laughs> well, thank- it's just, it's so much to do in 30 minutes. <laughs> I know. It's a quick time. Quick time. All right. Thank you all for joining us. And may the peace of the Lord be always with you. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at at Pod. We'd love to hear your comments on our episodes and also suggest future episode topics. Also, if you enjoy what we're doing, go on to iTunes and give us a review, please. Thanks a lot.